This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on the final episode of the season, final episode of the uh, the third season, as we mentioned, and then final episode of January, final episode besto- before Snowmageddon. Uh, could be the final episode. Who knows? I mean, we really just don't know. Uh, you know, we could get six to 300 inches of snow over the next couple of days. More on that coming up. Good evening. Welcome in. Let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Big weekend of racing in Daytona with the Rolex 24 and a familiar name in the road course and open wheel and all sorts of racing. How about Elio Castroneves going back to victory lane at the end of a final 30-minute green flag run? The Rolex 24 at Daytona was won by Meyer Shank Racing uh, with Argentina's number 60 Acura DPI. Elio Castroneves was the closing driver, and uh, he triumphed ahead of Ricky Taylor in Wayne Taylor Racing's number 10 ending that team's stretch of consecutive Rolex 24 overall wins at three. It's the second consecutive Rolex 24 win for Castroneves. Elsewhere, Scott Rock and Bernie Stubgen, I believe, uh, will serve as the co-promoters of Indiana's lone half-mile dirt track, the Terre Haute Action Track. That'll begin this year. They've both been event promoters, car owners, and business owners over the past several years, and uh, they will take over the track's promotion duties here in 2022. And how about this? The 21st running of the Solid Rock Carriers Thanksgiving Classic for the Cars Tour will take purse levels to an all-time high. One driver could walk away with more than $50,000 at the end of this 200-lap event. The event that runs from November 25th to 27th will take place at Southern National Motorsports Park, and it's one of the richest and most prestigious races in late-model stock car history. And that's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Here on Horsepower Happenings, good evening, welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Uh, I am enjoying seeing racing again, uh, <laughs> watching. It may be from a distance, but it uh, it's better than nothing, right? I'm going to enjoy seeing slide jobs on uh, US-12 and I-94, uh, maybe some M49 slide jobs here over this next week or so. Uh, we're going to get a lot of dry slick practice in, I think, this week. <laughs> I'm trying to get this show over so I can watch the rest of rest of the uh, Lucas Oil late models tonight and yeah, tomorrow. That's right. So that'll make we your, Lucas, that'll yeah. Keep, we got Lucas Oil late models pretty pretty busy for the next week to ten days. That'll keep you feeling warm with all of this uh, fun white stuff we're going to have falling from the sky. So let's get into tonight's show. Uh, actually, we felt pretty warm over the weekend compared to those guys that were down in Georgia sitting out in the elements. I know that seems weird to say, but I mean, my lord, we had 32, 34 degrees here in Michigan on Sunday. 
And they were bundled up on Saturday, but they saw a lot of action on the track. Yeah, Zach, at Cordial uh, on Saturday morning, it was 26 degrees from what I understand. So I felt very bad, kind of, for our partner, Scott Medlin. Kind of. Just a little bit down there in that cold weather. But Zach, uh, Chandler Smith may think he is the real number 26 uh, after picking up huge wins last year at Five Flag Speedway, including a snowball derby win back in December. But this weekend at CRA Speed Fest, Bubba Pollard made it clear he wasn't about to give up that moniker so easily. After kicking off 2022 with a win at New Smyrna in the red eye, Pollard dominated the 150-lap event on Saturday at Chris Motorsports Park. Pollard outdueled Smith throughout the last half of the event to capture his second CRA Speed Fest title. Behind them, Carson Hosevar, Stephen Nassie, Michael Atwell, Josh Berry, and Jake Garcia all battled for a spot in the top five. Defending race winner Corey Heim led early, but pitted on lap 74 with mechanical issues, which left Pollard and Smith without their most obvious challenger. Uh, Nassie, Atwell, and Berry were eliminated from contention on lap 135 when Atwell slid up into Nassie in turn one and collected Berry in the process. Hosevar battling through a broken shifter, would come home third with Garcia and Heim completing the top five. In the pro late model, Zach, Michael Hind uh, would pick up his biggest win of his career and his first ever pro late model win in their 100-lap feature event, holding off a late charge from Cole Williams. And Florida's Timmy Moore would take home the victory in the Modifieds of Mayhem Midwest Modifieds Tour event. And Zach, something pretty cool from our area. Sean Amor picked up the win in the Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stock 50-lap feature event. Uh, Nick Pressler and those guys uh, put downtown Jim Brown's number one machine together in short order and raced in memory of Brown, who passed away just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so a very awesome moment in victory lane for that team. Uh, so Speedfest 2022 is in the books. And Zach, I have to ask you, is Bubba Pollard back? Or did he ever leave? Well, his, his sabbatical was definitely felt last year. I think that's, you know, no doubt about that. Uh, we didn't see him on the road to as many events here, uh, you know, north of that uh, border line that kind of makes north and south, right? We didn't really see him. The Mason-Dixon line. That's right. We didn't really see him, you know, frequenting the Winchesters and the Nashvilles and, you know, the places that we kind of wondered if he'd show up. Um, I think his sabbatical, his, his absence was definitely felt last year. And then... Even, too, the races that he did show up at, Rich, he wasn't really all that competitive for the most part. My question is, if he is back, he's won two in a row now, what changed? That's what I want to know. Port City? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, he, was, he was with Seneca for years, uh, tried Van Dorn. That didn't work out for him. Uh, and then took some time off and, and kind of got his equipment in order. You know, I heard an interview. He said, um, if you don't think you can win, you don't need to go. Right. And... So I think he thought last year he wasn't in the position with his equipment to win. Uh, they were still putting some Port City race cars together. And obviously, maybe uh, taking a little bit of time off, we didn't see him at some of the huge shows in 2021. Um, maybe that helped that team out because coming out of the gate here in 2022, Zach, it seems like the old Bubba Pollard's back. Yeah, I know, and uh, that's going to put a lot of teams on notice. <laughs> hey, let's Inclu including Chandler Smith. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, the CRA Speed Fest uh, was the event that took place after a massive announcement that was made after our last episode of Horsepower Happenings. It's funny how that works. We have an episode of Horsepower Happenings. We talk news. We talk with drivers. We talk with promoters. 
And then 24 hours later, there's all sorts of news that breaks, and we bring it to you now. And with and with our relationship with CRA, we couldn't have said, can we talk to you on Monday? <laughs> well, here we are. Track Enterprises, uh, the uh, company out of Illinois that's responsible for places like May- Mason, uh, you know, Macon Speedway. Uh, they've hosted a number of events at uh, racetracks, a lot of ARCA events, uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, all that. They have um, signed into an agreement to purchase Champion Racing Association. Now, the Salem, Indiana-based sanctioning body operates those four touring divisions that we talk about here on the show, including the ARCA CRA Super Series, powered by JAGS, the JAGS CRA All-Stars Tour, presented by Chevrolet Performance, Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks, powered by JAGS, and the Vors CRA Late Model Sportsman, powered by JAGS, former co-owner and series director Glenn Luckett, chief technical director Eddie Chu, and Director of Operations Chief Scorer Greg Wood will remain on the staff. Track Enterprises, as we mentioned, promotes uh, races all across the country, including events with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, Arkham Menard Series, USAC, SRX, Dirt Car, World of Outlaws, the list goes on and on and on. Additionally, Track Enterprises, as we mentioned, manages racing at Macon, Lincoln, and Nashville Speedways. So, Another uh, another touring series or another uh, obligation on the plate for Track Enterprises. The part that I think is interesting, and we didn't really mention it here in this story, is it's all part of a master plan to get a grand national super late model touring series put together. Track Enterprises is looking at the ARCA CRA Super Series, and they're wondering, what can we do with the Southern Super Series? What can we do with maybe an ARCA Midwest Tour? And what can we do to make a great big super late model touring series again rich france i ask you is track enterprises trying to revive an asa style of racing uh i'm wondering i guess i could answer that with a question zach i'm wondering that if this is in response to the srl expanding from west to the midwest and to the east because that was the big news that came out a couple of months ago and then all of a sudden it's really its big competitor if they were going to come out to the Midwest right. was Champion Racing Association. That's right. Okay. They picked up a couple of events at Berlin, SRL did. Um, and I wonder if this was something that Bob Sargent didn't want to just sit by and watch happen. It's a fantastic question and a fantastic observation. And uh, I think time will tell. I think we'll get our answer over the next, uh, will it take place within this year? I don't know. I think it's going to have to happen quickly, though, if that is their goal is to. Uh, you know, have SRL stick to their side of the country. Yeah, Glenn and RJ um, worked hard to get a schedule put out, uh, you know, to get it ready before this ever happened. Um, I'm sure there were talks in the works somewhere along the line. They kind of had knew something was going on. They just, you know, you got to dot the I's and cross the T's and everything. But, you know, they have a schedule, and I don't think as long as Glenn, um, Eddie, and, uh, you know, and Greg are still involved there. You, I don't know that you're going to see a whole lot of difference, uh, especially in 2022. And by the way, I uh, would like to mention uh, and say congratulations to R.J. Scott, Glenn Luckett, and Greg Wood. Uh, and primarily, you know, the, the those are the guys. But, of course, Glenn and R.J., 25 years of successful late model racing uh, and CRA racing in our area. Hats off to them. Huge thanks to them and uh, want to wish them Specifically, RJ. I think RJ is already on a cruise ship somewhere, uh, enjoying his uh, <laughs> exodus. So uh, appreciate his support with Horsepower Happenings and always working with us. And uh, wishing Glenn the best of luck here in 2022 as he continues to uh, direct things at CRA as that transition takes place. So nice job and, and thanks a lot. Congratulations. Yep. Yep. And, and uh, you know we'll hear we'll hear some more from 
from Track Enterprises over the next few months, probably as the season gets closer and closer. But Zach, the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series kicked off their 2022 season this weekend at Golden Isle Speedway in Brunswick, Georgia, with over $35,000 on the line for the winners. Uh, the, the weekend didn't start out well for Brandon Overton as he was disqualified from quali- after qualifying on opening night on Thursday due to a droop rule violation. Overton didn't compete on Thursday, but Devin Moran showed he's ready for the upcoming season by dominating the 40-lap opener. Overton returned on Friday and Saturday and made it well known that he's ready to pick up where he left off in 2021 by sweeping the final two nights. Kyle Larson was fast all three nights, grabbing overall fast qualifier honors on Saturday and three podium finishes over the weekend. Uh, With the first weekend of 2022 in the books, Moran has the early points lead over Overton and Brandon Shepard. The next event uh, for the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series, Zach, is tonight and tomorrow at Bubba Raceway Park Winter Nationals in Ocala, Florida, with $10,000 up for grabs each night. And we're, you'll remember, too, a couple of months ago, we talked about the big money that's available for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series this year, and uh, they're they're coming out swinging here in uh, January into February. A lot of money on the line. $150,000 to the season champion this year for the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series unbelievable rich time to get into our first interview of tonight's unique show and uh this one well this has got unique written all over it these are the sometimes most fun conversations we can have is that changing of the guard let us know who we're talking to yeah zach i've known this gentleman probably since he was in his early 20s uh when i used to race against him he is a two-time arca gold cup series champion at the 2019 uh flat rock speedway outlaw super late model champion um Made some news last week. We'll get at all that and more. Frank Giovanni, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. All right. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Rich. Man, Frank, first of all, before we get into the racing stuff, I got to ask you, um, you and your wife, Paula, were blessed with a baby boy just a couple of months ago, beginning of December. How's that going for you? Oh, it's going great, actually. Uh, yeah, we had Miles Anthony. He was born on December 3rd, uh, so it was a perfect Christmas present going into the new year here, so Everything's going good. I mean, we're happy. We're blessed with a baby boy and uh, happy, healthy, and that's all we could ask for. I think we all, you know, we're all around people that have kids at times. Is it any different now uh, that you have a son? Yes, I would. <laughs> I would absolutely say yes. It's uh, as my dad would put it, payback for when I was a kid. So <laughs> he enjoys uh, seeing me, his first grandson in the family, and our grandkid all together. So. Uh, when, yeah, when the baby's giving me a hard time, he goes, yep, that's his payback, Frank, you deserve it. <laughs> well, and it kind of rolls into why I think it kind of rolls in as somebody who, uh, it feels like I have a newborn, but she's two already, which blows my mind. Um, but you know, the, the addition of a child changes your aspect and your lookout on everything. Um, did that have any, uh, any bearing on the decision to step aside from the race car in 2022? It really didn't. I mean, a lot of um, a lot of the decisions uh, to step out full time in 2022 really had to do with my work, more, more of my professional career. Uh, yeah, it would have been challenging to do what we've been doing with the child, but that wasn't the makeup of it. Um, a lot of my professional career. I mean, everyone's got to make money some way, somehow, yeah. right? So I've been really blessed uh, to have a great job. I work for Detroit Diesel. Uh, we manufacture the complete powertrain for Freightliner. So it's a pretty important job, yeah. a lot of responsibility. Um, I'm stepping into a new role there at Detroit Diesel this year. So 
that had a lot to do with it. Um, but you know, my family also has been with me racing for over 27 years now and they're pretty tired too. So I couldn't imagine a weekend without them at the racetrack. Um, and they want to have their weekends, their weddings and their parties, you know, to go out and have fun with friends also. So it was a combination of a lot of things, uh, not just having a kid that was definitely, uh, not the driver here, but, um, yeah, I, I, I combined all those different things in our decision for 2022. How did this, uh, you know, you know, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, right? Your career has to come first, and uh, full-time racing sometimes is really hard to do alongside of a career. Uh, but talk to me about how this process came about where you, you sit down and you look at things and you go, you know what? Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to commit to doing this full time. Was that a tough decision to make? Was that a, were there some tough conversations that had to be had, whether it was between you and your family, or uh, you know, uh, your car owner, or you know, take me through that process a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was definitely some long nights just thinking about laying in bed. You know, what what's the best decision? I want to be do what's right for myself as well as you know the people around me. So, yeah, we had some tough conversations with the family. Um, not only there, but with Dick and, and Pat, who owned the equipment that we drive, that I drove for uh, for eight years. So they were they were more than willing to do whatever I wanted, to be honest with you. Um, I just couldn't commit to a full-time uh, season with them. It's about 15 or 16 races, and uh, they want to go points racing. And, I, and I'd have no problem with that. Um, it actually was a good combination, you know, a good decision that we all made together. So we did what's best for, for myself and my family and the team. So... That's kind of how we came about it. Um, I sat down with Dick. Uh, we talked about it and had a mutual understanding. Same thing with Pat Moran, uh, who's not only you know graciously sponsor- sponsoring the race team, but he also puts uh, the main sponsorship together for, for the late model class at Flat Rock. Um, but they were more than gracious to me. They really, you know, they treated me like a family member. And I, I feel like one, you know, being part of the team for eight years now. And, and they understood. Um, Pat put out a really, a really nice, heartfelt note on, on Facebook, and that really meant a lot to me um, to, to hear that coming from him, who's so influential to, to motorsports here in Michigan. Frank, let's go back. Let's talk. Uh, let's go back down memory lane just a little bit. Um, 2012, you win the Flat Rock Street Stock Championship. I had a front row seat to that, by the way. And, uh, and then, you know, you, the next season, you jump in. Dick and Pat's number 45, obviously, you know, everybody knows that car. Um, and then you, then you, it, you know, you, you kind of move along, you, you're doing real good. You pick up a couple gold cup series championships. And then in 2019, a flat rock speedway championship. Um, what means the most to you along the way and why? That's, that's a great question. I mean, looking back at it, Rich, I never, I didn't realize the history that that car had you know the orange 45 with dick in it for you i didn't realize it at the time when i first started driving for him um and honestly just along the way the last eight eight or nine years here i've just really been humbled by how many people recognize that car and that how many people recognize dick you know sometimes uh people will come up to dick and and pat and they'll have to say hi and sometimes dick will go and go i'm not i'm not sure who that was and he has so many fans you know that have known him and grown to love him over the years. That's probably the one thing that sticks out to me. Like, Hey, I didn't realize what I was getting myself into back in 2013, uh, driving a, a being a rookie in a late model, um, and a historic late model at that. So 
looking back at it now, I, I, I think that's the coolest thing to me, Rich, to be honest, dude, to be in that car and that program, you know, you can be in any late model, but that particular one stands out to a lot of people and a lot of fans over the last 20, 30 years now. So. And now that you've had a chance to make your own career in that car, I, I mean, when we look at as Rich said, the history of that machine and the the uh, you know instant recognize recognizable car that that is and the uh, iconic symbol that it has. Um, I think too, you got to kind of look and and you know obviously uh, you know there's humility involved, but you look at the chapter that you wrote with that car and you got to be pretty proud of what you were able to do. Yeah, I am. I really am. I really want to thank a lot of people for that, uh, especially Jimmy Tucker, who helped me out through those three seasons. So the three seasons that we won championships with, uh, Jimmy was the crew chief, all three of those. So that really says something to his his effort and uh, how smart he is as a crew chief. Also, Van Dorn Racing, because they were with us for most of those eight years, and they really supported us with the equipment. Uh, there's not a ton of Van Dorn outlaw cars out there. There's very few. So the support that they gave us was just awesome. I know they have a lot of CRA customers that they deal with, but really anytime I call, uh, either Johnny or Bush would be, would pick up right away and answer any questions. So I really want to thank them. Uh, any, all the sponsors, I can't name every single sponsor right now, but I've had so many over the years and it's just, it's awesome. And to write a chapter and to leave my name behind in a few championships, like that's what it's all about. Like I don't do it for the trophies. Uh, I really don't even, I don't know why I do it except to leave my name in the history books, honestly. So to have a couple of years where we're at the top, um, yeah, I'm proud of that. Let's go back uh, a couple of days ago. We we exchanged messages, and you said, "Well, this isn't retiring. Um, how long is this uh, reprieve going to last? Uh, are you are you going to have to sit aside one season, two seasons? Or are you just going to kind of address it uh, at the end of each season and see what what's available over the winter?" No, you never retire from racing. So <laughs> this is definitely not a retirement. Um, but, you know, the, I don't know what's going to be held in the future. You know, if I can get into a couple of races here and there, I love Toledo. I love Glass City. If I could run there again, I, you know, I definitely would try to pick up uh, a race or two there. But honestly, I look forward to continuing the family tradition. And, and hopefully my son, if he's interested in the future, I'd love to get go-karts going. Uh, quarter midgets is what I started at when I was a kid. So. Uh, not set in stone, but I'd love to get them into the sport because it teaches you a lot of life, life lessons, not only, you know, mechanical lessons, but it teaches you a lot about life. So uh, if there's one thing maybe I can pass down, uh, maybe that's how I continue my racing career as a, as a father. So that's kind of what I look forward to. Nothing written in stone for 2023 or beyond, but uh, I definitely leave my options open. So. Now, obviously you have a great relationship with Dick Barker and Pat Moran. Um, they made the decision to put Connor Zabosian in that car for 2022. And we've all seen that young man grow and grow over the last couple of years. Um, you got to be pretty proud about that. Yeah, I was happy to see that. Uh, I don't think my, my opinion had anything to, to do with it, but I also, I also suggested Connor um, be part of that race team because he shows so much professionalism. Uh, he shows, you know, he's a student athlete also uh, gets great, get grades in school. Um, yeah, and I, I'm proud of him. Uh, I think over the next couple of months and, and years here, I'll try to do what I can just to assist him with the driving part of it, but I think he's got it pretty well covered. So if um, I think he'll be able to continue on the legacy pretty pretty well in the 45, and uh, I think he, I think Connor's going to do awesome. What sort of ways do you help make that transition easier on not only 
Connor, but the team as well. You know, Connor being a young driver, but a talented driver. You know, we've we've said his name a couple of times on the show for for point and reasons. Um, but you know, as we've talked with other drivers here this off season, when you switch teams and when you get a new driver on a team, there's a big transition period that takes place. How what role do you have in making that smoother? I think my role is just an open contact, right? I'm not. I'm not going to shut. I'm not answer the phone for those guys. So I told them uh, we met at the shop the other night. and Just kind of showed them where everything's at. Hey, here's where all your spare parts, spare hubs. You know, you go through the list with them. But I told those guys, and Dick knows. I mean, Dick and I are super close. We talk all the time. Just anytime you have any questions, uh, just give me a give me a ring, and I'll I'll pop into the shop. I'm only about 15 minutes away from where they keep the car and work on it. So if I can go over there after work one day, I'll I'll head over there and just kind of do some bench racing and, and give any advice that I can. But those guys are already off to a great start. You've seen Connor, he won a feature at the end of the year last year. So um, <laughs> I don't know how much help they're going to need, but <laughs> I really think, um, yeah, just an open line of communication. Anytime that they need help, they'll, they'll, I told them to just give me a call. Well, and these these race cars, we've talked uh, about it before. These Outlaw Super Late models are such a different animal. Um, I think that it's going to be great for them to be able to, for Connor specifically, to be able to lean on you because, uh, you know, you remember what it was like to make a jump from a full-framed, uh, you know, stock car into these super late models and, you know, how much different that all is. And, and I mean, kind of explain that. What what sort of challenges Connor's going to go through just naturally with these race cars? Yeah, uh, these cars are probably one of the most technical out there, right? I mean, everything is adjustable on these cars. Um, it's really amazing. So you're not put into a box like you are in some of the CRA rules um, or some of the other super late model rules that you see around the country. But um, you are open to do a lot more adjustments on these cars. So being, I, I would say being open-minded to what you want to do. And uh, he's going to drive a little bit differently, right? So sure. I can't put a setup on his car that worked on my car because it just might not compute, right? So everyone's driving style is a little bit different. Um, you really have to tailor the setup to the driver. So some stuff that we did in the past that we got good notes. So we handed over all the notes to those guys uh, the other night as well. But any notes that we have, we'll give them a good baseline. But really, you're going to have to fine-tune the car to the way Connor drives and the way that he likes and how he feels the car. So and again, that's going to be... Yep. Well, and I was just going to say, and again, important to note that this isn't going to be first-time starts for Connor behind the wheel of super late models, so he's got a little bit of an advantage there, but, you know, like you said, different equipment, different engine packages, uh, you know, different power getting to the wheels, and, and again, a whole different team that he's going to be working with here, And um, but, you know, as you said, that, that transition, that they're going to be able to do that, and, and uh, I think he's going to be set up for success right out of the gate. Yeah, I can't agree more, Zach. I, I definitely think uh, Connor will show uh, he's the right guy for the job there. Frankie, I got to ask you, obviously, um, you know, 2021, I think you can admit it probably wasn't your best season. Uh, if you had any bad luck, you had it every week. Um, is that any motivation for you to kind of get through what you're doing now and get back in the seat? Uh, I don't know. Over 27 years, you have a lot of ups and downs, and that's what racing is. It's a lot of up and downs. And Dick actually had a saying where, you know, racing is the highest of highs, and that's when you're in the in the infield celebrating victory and you have the lowest of lows when you can barely get that car back into the box in the trailer. So, uh, yeah, we didn't have the best of luck this year. I mean, we had some good runs going, like at the Glass City, and then we broke, we broke some stuff. So uh, it's kind of disappointing to end like that. I wasn't, you know, going into the season, I didn't know exactly I was going to be done uh, full-time, but – 
it, we still had fun. We had a great year. Um, and like I said, I still keep my options open uh, for the future. If I get a race in, you know, here and there throughout the year, that would be cool too. Um, but yeah, I, I don't look at it like, dang, I wish my last year was better because I had a great time. I really just, it's the people you're around, especially Flat Rock and Toledo. Just, just awesome people to be around, and they love racing, and uh, it really makes you feel like it, like you're at home. So, so I need to get your opinion, seeing you really don't have a dog in the hunt. Who are we looking for to be strong this year? Obviously, Eric Lee, very strong again last year, uh, coming back to the outlaw after being in the template cars for so long. Um, tell me, if for anybody that's an outlaw late model fan at Flat Rock, what should they look for, and who should they look for this year? Yeah, I really like to thank some of those guys like Eric, like Paul Peltier, Dennis Strickland. Those guys are the ones out there making me better every week. Uh, if you're racing with that talented of a group, I, you know, that that's what's going to make people great. So I think all three of those guys are, are people to look out for. Dennis is hungry again. Uh, he had an awesome looking car last year, just some bad luck also. Uh, Eric was very fast uh, throughout the year. Um you know, so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what's going to bring this year. So I think uh, I've seen Jeff Versick's car went to someone else this year. So we'll see. I think at Hayden got that car. So we'll see how he does. Uh, Connor's obviously going to be in the hunt now with uh, a little bit more support from the Moran team uh, and the four car, Justin, you know. So Justin's always very fast at Flat Rock and he knows his way around. And who can let, you know, who can say that the 21's not going to be there every night? Also, Steve Cronowit Jr. So. I mean, how many times did he win last year? I think he had four race wins last year. So when you go to a place like Flat Rock, I think uh, 2021 we had eight different races and we had eight different winners. <laughs> so every wow. single car is someone to look out for uh, for a feature at Flat Rock. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, this isn't retirement for you. So maybe Rich will pull you up into the booth and make you talk about uh, Outlaw Super Late Model Racing a couple of times uh, this year if you're ever at Flat Rock and don't have anything to do. I could see that happen in Rich France. Yeah, absolutely. Me and Gary could always have a third. What do you think, Frank? <laughs> I'll never turn that down. Absolutely not. <laughs> Frank, man, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, I know it's been a while since we've had you on the show, but uh, thanks thanks for joining us. Good luck with what you got going on at work, man, with your career. And, um, man, congratulations on all you accomplished in that 45 car, and uh, good luck with the transition, all right? All right. I appreciate it. I'm sure I'm going to see you guys around the track somewhere in 2022. Thank you. Uh, more schedule releases. Uh, you know, our friends at Merritt and Tri-City, they had their awards banquet over this last weekend. And, of course, Mike Blackmer, who is at the helm of Merritt and Tri-City, now also piloting the ship at Thunderbird Raceway, and had a chance to talk to General Manager Justin Sharp today, who will uh, be generally managing Tri-City Speedway and Thunderbird Raceway. And uh, he wanted to point out that there are some clerical errors on the uh, schedules that were released. Specifically, the UMP Modified schedule needs some work. But he did want to let us know that the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series schedule is pretty well buttoned up. And Rich France, it's a good-looking schedule. And it has that expansion that we talked about to a couple of other tracks around the state. And, they're, Zach, they're going to hit that expansion early and right out of the gate. Uh, the... All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series will kick things off April 29th at I-96 Speedway, Zach. I think I have to be there for that opener. I think I'd like to be there, too, <laughs> if I didn't make it happen. And uh, then it's going to be a doubleheader weekend of racing, which is going to be the, the MO for the Challenge Series. They'll go to Thunderbird Raceway on Saturday, uh, April 30th, and then they'll take about a month before they return to Challenge Series racing. By the way, uh, those first two events paying $4,000 to win. Then May 27th and 29th, that'll be your Memorial Day weekend. 
They're going to start Friday at Tri-City Motor Speedway and Sunday at Merritt Speedway. And you can bet Saturday in between will either be a separate show or a Mike Blackmore production two-day show at Merritt Speedway. Yeah, we're not just going to sit around for a day, right, and do nothing. There's something going on on Saturday. Uh, Take about uh, 25 days off and then come back to work on June 17th and 18th. And here's that part of the expansion pack on Friday, June 17th. Hartford Speedway will will welcome the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. And we remember what sort of action they put on late models do at Hartford with that new configuration with the uh, ethanol tour. That date? Mark June 16th on your calendar because I'm going to try to be there. That's going to be a fun show. And, of course, that's double-headed up with an event at Thunderbird Raceway on June 18th. Yep, Zach. And then we're going to move into the 4th of July weekend. Uh, 4th of July is on a Monday this year. So so on July 1st and 3rd, July 1st, Tri-City. July 3rd at Merritt. Tri-City, a $4,000 win event. Merritt Speedway for the 4th of July. Ten grand to win. And I should go back and mention, too, that the Sunday show for Memorial Day weekend at Merritt Speedway will also be $10,000 to win. All the other events so far, $4,000 to win. And then, Rich, we get to the mother load. We get to the big kahuna. We get to the whatever you want to call it, wood tick, the 34th annual wood tick. And now it's really easy to remember what year of wood tick it is because it coincides with that top prize payout, $34,000 plus to the winner of wood tick this year well i don't know that it could be any better than it was last year at wood tick um could you have imagined any closer of a finish it was probably the closest race all year long for sure right and it comes at wood tick for dollars to win in 2021 rusty schlank obviously bringing that victory home can he go back to back zach I tell you what, in the last couple of years, we've said his name a lot with the Challenge Series. You remember 74 laps of pure dominance and four cars crossing the stripe on the lead lap? Yeah, that's uh, what I remember, too. And uh, then you talk about the photo finish for 33K. I don't know. I definitely I think you're going to want to. I'm not a betting man, Rich. You are. You're probably doubling down on that 91 car, aren't you? Well, it depends. You know, we have to look at his schedule. His, I, have, I haven't seen his schedule for the summer, and I don't know that he's creating one. But uh, I can't believe that Merritt Speedway and $34,000 would not be on his list, uh, especially after taking home $33,000 last year. That's, you don't find many races around here uh, for that amount. Let's go through the rest of the schedule after we get done with uh, Wood Tick Weekend. This is the closest we see Challenge Series dates together because – the following weekend, right after Wood Tick, we're back to Challenge Series Racing on the 12th and 13th. Friday night, Hartford Speedway will be home for $4,000 to win. And then on Saturday, August 13th, that'll be my wife and I's wedding anniversary, uh, Thunderbird Raceway hosts the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. I think a nice little trip to the beach in Muskegon is a fantastic anniversary gift, don't you? I, th- I think you should write it down and surprise her now, Zach. <laughs> Uh, so that's a pair of 4K to win. And then, Rich, we head toward the end of the season with three monster shows that start uh, with that first weekend in September. Yep, Labor Day weekend uh, on September 2nd, Tri-City, $4,000 to win. And then to Merritt Speedway on Sunday, uh, September 4th, $10,000 to win then. And then we close out the season on the 10th of September at Thunderbird for $10,000 to win there. Now, one thing that uh, Mr. Sharp wanted to make sure that we noted tonight was that one of the dates that are not on this Late Model Challenge Series schedule is, and it would actually end up being a couple of dates, the 
uh, Dirt Car UMP Summer National Hell Tour dates are not part of the Challenge Series. So if you're a fan of big money payouts on the top and you're thinking, now, wait a minute, we've only got, what do we got here? We got four $10,000 to win and then the $34,000 wood tick. Folks, don't forget about the Hell Tour dates that are going to be at Thunderbird, Tri-City, and Merritt this year, uh, all going to be promoted by Mike Blackmer. So um, keep that in mind. <laughs> There's, those are going to be big money late model races too that are not part of the Challenge Series. So specifically... The Tri-City date on Friday is paying $10,000 to win. That was confirmed today. So um, there's big money to be handed out in late model racing this year. And, Zach, I know we don't have time to cover all of them, but what I think is unique, um, if you, you can you can go onto the schedule and you and you can see the schedule either at Thunderbird's Facebook page, Tri-City uh, Motor Speedway's Facebook page, or Merritt's Facebook page, not only do the UMP late models have challengers racing, but the UMP modifieds, IMCA mods, B mods, pro stocks, factory stocks, and cyber stocks all season long have their own challenge series races with extra money on the line. I think that is so cool. Yeah, and that was one of the things that Mike wanted to do is he wanted to put, and he kind of started implementing this last year, uh, and he wanted to make uh, challenge series uh, available for the other divisions as well, you know, kind of open that up and spread the love around. Now, again, if you do go and look for these schedules, a post was made yesterday afternoon that the Merritt and Tri-City Banquet, uh, basically they got put into a little bit of a corner and they tried to get the schedules out and they didn't get proofread very well, uh, I guess would be the, the main way to say that. Uh, specifically, there are some dates that are missing off of there for the UMP Modifieds. For instance, they'll have a Challenge Series race at Hartford Speedway on June 17th and uh, they will also be getting some time off throughout the season. So there's some edits that are going to need to be made and uh, they'll make those in the coming weeks. And Zach, it's time for our second guest of the night on the phone lines. And a gentleman you know very well. Let us know who we're talking to. Yeah, this guy is a legend up, uh, well, down here where I'm from at Butler Motor Speedway. He'll go down in the history books. Uh, I think he may even end up in the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame at some point in his career. Uh, the Silver Fox, the eight cent, formerly uh, from uh, Homer, Michigan, but uh, he's moved south of the border as far as I know. So uh, it's our pleasure to welcome in Corey Bevard to the program. Corey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Man, uh, fresh off of a big, big weekend, you decide, you and your team, uh, which consists of you and your brother and a, a couple of friends thrown in a in an old toter bus, head south to the clay by the bay in East Bay with the UMP Modified. Uh, first off, man, what led to that decision to, to hit the road big starting off the season? Well, uh, it's been something my brother and I wanted to do for several years, uh, you know, just uh never really had the opportunity or the funds to just to, uh, to pack everybody up and, and, and head that way. And, you know, let alone pay, pay, pay people to go and, and help us, you know, it's, uh, just something we always wanted to do and we thought we'd better do it before we decide to, to quit racing. <laughs> well, and that's what I was going to say too, is, uh, you know, the, you've been doing this. How many years have you been doing this this year? Do you know what your, what your total is? Um, this year will be 31 years for myself. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call him the Silver Fox for nothing, Rich Rands. <laughs> I see you shaking your head there. <laughs> I, I know. I thought, I th you know, Corey, I raced for 25 years, and I thought that was more than enough um, the last couple of years. Uh, how do you keep the motivation going that long? Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I keep telling myself that I have nothing else to prove. But That's yeah, fair I, enough. Uh, I still just uh, I wake up every morning and, and – I want to go racing every day. It's it's something that I just can't get rid of yet. And I think the other thing too is uh, 
down here, anyhow, the Bevard name is is synonymous with auto racing, and I think the bond that you and your brother have is is unmatched. And I want you to talk on that to speak about what it means to you and how much fun it's been to race uh, with and for you know your brother and and uh, you know your sister in law Abby and Allie and uh, really everything that you are able to do with them. Yeah, this uh. You know, I've had several car owners, you know, uh, started with them. Um, uh, Mike Blakely, you know, driving, started with sprint cars. Where I, I, I had built my own street stock, you know, years ago and, you know, it kind of was my own deal. And then I went sprint car racing for Mike Blakely and then Brian Renshaw uh, picked me up and I drove sprint cars for him for several years and in late models. And then, uh, you know, the last probably 15, 16 years have been for my brother and and Abby, and it's probably been it's been one of the best deals that's ever came about. Um, I wouldn't want to drive for anybody else. If I go out, you know, I'm going to go out with them. Corey, let's 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 get to East Bay. Um, I watched every night, and the first night when I turned on the TV, and they said 60 cars, and I saw the talent that was down in that field. Um, you had to be, be been pretty impressed yourself. Yeah, I was. I was uh, like. You probably read it. You guys probably read that what my brother had posted. Uh, we went down there with the intentions of if we make one show, you know, we're going to be happy. You know, uh, uh, Todd Sherman, you know, what, you know, I was down on my, you know, myself, you know, I, I don't want to go down there and get beat up on, you know, this, that, and everything. And, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to go down there and get beat and everything else. And he says, well, you know, if you stay positive, you know, you're going to get positive results. If you go down there with a negative attitude, you're going to get negative results. And I just kind of took that and, and uh, we went down. I went down there with a positive attitude, and we uh, we ran really well against them. You started out night one pretty good. You work your way. You make the show the first night. You're starting in the back from getting into the last chance race, and you're working your way through pretty good right until something happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was coming out of going on the back stretch, winning the three, and it's kind of hard to you know. It's not it, the track's pretty pretty well lit up, but it's uh you know coming out of the corners a little dark. Car spun, and it was a dark a black car, and I clipped the rear of him and it broke the, uh, broke the left rear shock and tore up the body and stuff. And, but all in all, I mean, that was just minor stuff. We had the shock rebuilt and got the car back together for the following night. And we had some issues the following night that kind of set us behind. Well, and that's what I was going to say is it seems, seems like when you wreck hard, there's always some lingering issues. And, uh, you guys threw the kitchen sink at that car the second night when it wouldn't run, didn't you? Yeah. We, we uh, after the races, we put, everything you know as far as electrical and fuel new on the car we put you know new msd new coil new distributor plug wires uh fuel pump fuel filters you name it we put everything on it new so we did man we knew that we either was going to be something way off the wall that we didn't find or we had it fixed and we didn't know what the problem was so right now we're, we still got a bunch of New parts in the trailer that we took off the car that we still don't know if they're good or bad. So we're going to go back to some of them, try them out maybe early in the year and see if we can figure out what it is so we don't have that part carrying it around in the trailer. Now I want to go to some good news. Let's go to let's go to the final night. Um, you have to run to B-Main, which is, you know, a lot of guys have to, to be honest. They had, they had I think they had two or three of them, right? So, yeah. and you go out and you win your B-Main. Um, how happy were you with you with that car? Because... I watched that event and you looked really strong. 
I tell you, it was uh, like I said, just to make the one show was was great. The uh, when I came around and I uh, I won the B main and you know finally realized I locked myself into the into the big race. It was uh, it's something I'll never forget. You know the the people at home that were cheering us on, the people that you know drove down or or, or flew down late and have a lot of family from that area that was able to come and watch. It was just, uh, it was unreal. It was nothing I've uh, ever lived before. You know, for me, this this race and this event, when you go down to East Bay, this, you know, this whole Speed Weeks and this kind of a prelim to Speed Weeks, um, it, it, it well, and it was the modified version of Speed Weeks, really, because late models are going to come in here in the next couple of weeks, and they've got sprint cars down there, too. Um, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask our guys that went to the Dome uh, you know, winning a B main is not ever anything you're going to get excited about when we're racing April through October, but winning a B main in, in January down at East Bay with the, with the accolades that go with that and the competition you were racing against is picking up a checkered flag in any fashion down there, uh, a good feeling, or, uh, you know, would you have rather punched your ticket through the heat race? I mean, tell me how you feel, uh, again, with all of the years of, of racing that you have under your belt. Was a win just awesome down there in any fashion? A win down there in any fashion is awesome. I mean, you, you know, like you said, the talent down there and the, the group of cars that you're up against, you know, we're just a little little team, you know, and uh, like I said, we don't have the funding that a lot of those guys have, and um, a, win, a win's a win for me. I don't care if it's a heat race, a B-main, or a feature, it's a win. Corey, obviously I've seen her and a lot of interviews from guys that – the clay down there is so different from anything that, that you run up here. Um, talk to me about what happened off of turn number two, because you took a heck of a shot and it looked like not only car got hurt, it looked like you kind of got dinged up a little, little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, before I went out, Ellie said, you know, just uh, take your time, you know, stuff's going to happen. Just try to avoid it. You know, where you're going to move up in positions just by, you know, because the night before several cars had, the night I didn't make the feature, several cars fell out, you know, and I think there was only 13 or 14 cars that finished, you know, and I was just kind of riding around and, you know, I knew we had to be getting close to the halfway point where they were going to throw a uh, competition yellow. You know, I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get on the gas and see what's going to happen here. And I came out of two and the car, you know, we were all sideways and I couldn't see any, see the car. And I just hit him, you know, I was just rolling back in the throttle, which you know, rolling back in the throttle, there's pretty much wide open. <laughs> there's not much and, roll uh, in it. <laughs> no. And, uh, I come out of four and, or I come out of two and hit him and jarred my head a little bit, knocked myself out. Um, you know, it's about the norm for me. Whenever I take a hard hit, I, you know, after all my crashes and sprint cars <laughs> and everything else, when I take a hard hit, it, it tends to knock me out a little bit easier than other people. I want to talk about uh, some of the other stuff. You mentioned the the family and the the cheering section that you had down there as part of this. I, I think probably the most important cheer uh, cheerleader that you had down there was your daughter. Um, for those who don't know, the relationship between you and Madison is is so tight. She is man, your loudest cheerleader uh, that that we ever have seen in this sport. Talk to me about the weekend you had with her. Uh, you know, she was down there, of course. Uh, with with uh, uh, Justin Clark as well, and and uh, you know, so she's kind of balancing support. But man, all the posts that I saw were were mainly about her dad, and that's you. And talk to me about the support you get from her. You know, Madison grew up around racing. She, you know, she's been through the 
the highest, the highest and lowest of lows with this deal. Um, she, uh, her intentions were to go with me when, when, when we said we were going to go and, uh, her and Justin started dating and, uh, she's like, well, I'm going to ride down with Justin and, you know, and, uh, that's the kind of the way it fell out. And she, uh, you know, she was there for both of us. Um, I tell you, her boyfriend is, reminds me a lot of myself when I was younger, you know, the kid, the wheel man is going to go places. Um, but yeah, if you watch, uh, any of Madison's live feeds from, from 40, <laughs> Oh, they are so have, entertaining to watch. Children around. <laughs> they are so entertaining children around here because she's, a uh, she's pretty loud and, and, uh, vulgar on some things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised, uh, you know, it's probably a good thing that in dirt track racing, they don't allow you to have a spotter or somebody up in the stands, because if you were to give her a radio, man, she'd have been chewing you out throughout those races. My Lord, she was getting after it. They are entertaining to watch yeah. for sure. Yeah, several nights uh, I had people message me, well, is Madison going to go live? And I'm like, well, I don't know if she will or not. You know, she she stayed so busy between between my races and Justin's races. She, uh, I think she was kind of burned out on the whole going live for everything you know and then i said well madison if you do go live could you settle down on the uh the language <laughs> a little bit <laughs> i'd love to get back to the house you know after the races and i you know kind of watch your videos to see where i screwed up or right where i could have bettered myself i'm like oh my god i can't believe she's talking like that <laughs> i do love the one comment on the one video uh i believe this is the race that you uh maybe this is a heat race where you just missed the transfer spot uh she says i'm not sorry for my screaming please enjoy. And that's the sort of passion that I love. Now we mentioned Justin Clark, um, 305 sprints were down there. Is that right? Um, what it was, was, uh, it was a like, kind of like a mixture. There was 305s. I believe Justin was about him and maybe one other guy had 305 injected motors. The rest of them were like a, a 360 carbureted motor. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> Justin was way out motored, you know, but he kept fighting and fine tuning and he'd find himself at starting at the back, you know, because they did all of his races by passing points. And right. he, uh, he'd start at the back and he'd drive to the front, you know, every night. Um, and like down to like, they'd run 25 lap features and down to the last five laps, they had all the, uh, the lap cars in between you. So it would show on race monitor that he'd be running fourth, but he was actually running, you know, he was clear back and, 18th yeah because he hadn't passed all those cars yet well you just never give up every night so as much as i love that i want to set this up with uh again going back to madison she posts this vague picture of you clearly strapped inside of a sprint car and for those who don't know the background as you mentioned you raced sprint cars into the early 2000s uh you know that was your bread and butter uh you know you were you were really coming on strong as a sprint car driver and then you have uh, a medical emergency. You have a health issue inside the car. Uh, you know, let's be frank here. You almost lose your life inside of that race car. And um, you come back. You can't race sprint cars anymore for the majority of your career. Now, I know on one other occasion, maybe two other occasions, you've had a chance to strap in a sprint car at Butler. What was going on down there at East Bay? Uh, again, we just have this vague picture of you strapped in a sprint car. What was going on? Oh, I just, uh, we were messing with my wife actually, because my wife hadn't, wasn't there yet. And I said, uh, I'm going to get in Justin's car, Madison, you post a picture of it and we'll see how my wife reacts to it. <laughs> well, I got the reaction that I wanted out of it. Yeah. How did Jen you know, react? Did you get a phone call right away or what happened? 
No, not right away. I didn't. I, um, but you know, she knows. She knew that. You know, my uh, my racing career, my sprint car career is 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 done. You know, I uh, I got to I got in the car in 2020. You know, at the towards the tail end of the major COVID part. You know, uh, for Butler's uh, open house, so I got in and turned some laps, and uh, I was really comfortable in the car until I uh, I came off and I kind of had like my kind of had like a panic attack and i'm like you know what this ain't for me anymore and i went up to the grandstands was watching some hot laps with my wife and she says we're done we're not doing this anymore you're not ever getting in the sprint car you know if you want to get in the sprint car again she says uh the marriage is over so wow you know i'm uh <laughs> and i'm uh you know and i knew that you know me ever getting in a sprint car again you know that wasn't going to happen for me you know i it was time for me to slow down you know uh you know, as far as my heart and everything goes, the doctors are perfectly fine with me, you know, racing a sprint car, doing whatever, whatever I want to do, you know. But my brother was, you know, when he finally made that decision to, to step away from sprint car racing, it was a it was a decision we all made together. You know, it was time for me to slow down and, and step back away from the sprint car scene of things. What, was that a hard decision to make? I mean, you mentioned that trying to drive that car in 2020 and then having <laughs> having the issue when you got out of the car before then I'm guessing there was still a part of you that thought maybe I'd like to get back into sprint car racing at some point. You know, it, yeah. And I had raced, you know, since that deal in 2007, I had raced a sprint car a few times here and there. And I, I ran, uh, God, it had to have been 2019, 18 or 19. I got in a sprint car at Butler and ran the whole night and, uh, ran, ran third in the feature, you know, to some, to some really good cars. And, uh, you know, and it was just kind of a, that deal that when I did that was just kind of a closure deal for myself. Um, you know, my wife at the time had, you know, Jenny had never seen me drive a sprint car, you know, and my daughter, you know, she was three or four years old when I had my first heart issue. And in 2007, you know, she's seen the whole deal go down and I kind of wanted to give, I needed closure for myself and for my, for my kid, you know, uh, just to, just to know that I could still do it, you know, and, but, you know, for me now, I have nothing to prove as far as being in a sprint car. Corey, I have to ask you, you're going to put a new skin on this thing. And Butler Motor Speedway made some no noise. Um, one of your rivals is now going to be the track owner um, in Tim Wilbur. Uh, tell me what you think about that. Um, you know, everybody everybody sees Tim as a, as a, as a businessman and, and – uh, I see him as a racer and a, and a true friend. You know, uh, I think what Tim has going for Butler is probably going to be one of the best things that's happened to Butler in several years. I'm not going to take anything away from Bob and Karen Garrett because they did what they could do with what, you know, was above them. You know, with Tim being the sole owner of it, you know, the sky's the limit for Tim now. Uh, the sky's the limit for Butler. I think Tim Wilbur was going to put Butler Motor Speedway back on the map. And I think it's important to note, too, that you put a lot of your own personal time and, and assets into what Bob and Karen were doing because of your love for that racetrack. And, uh, you know, I think of you and Tim hand in hand, right, with, uh, you know, you mentioned 31 years in the sport and driving. Uh, and then I think about, you know, how, how Tim mentioned that he had started, you know, his career right there at Butler in, in you know, that Detroit Iron class. And, uh, you know, you, you both are so synonymous with that racetrack, I think you guys are going to probably realistically work hand in hand and kind of, 
like you said, putting this place back on the map where it belongs to be, because you both remember what it was like in its glory day. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, Jim, I've talked several times on the phone. I've, you know, uh, I'm going to, you know, the uh, health tour deal that comes in in July, uh, I promote that deal, you know, and um, we got another show there, ob- there obviously, this year. And um, as of right now, my name's still on the contract for that show. Whether Tim wants it, you know, to have it put in his name, I'm fine with that. It'll take a little bit of the, the stress off of me, you know being the promoter plus racing the, the, uh, the series that night. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, with me being in the, in Indiana now, you know, I'm a hour and 45 minutes, two hours away from there, but you know, I plan on going up on, you know, Fridays and, uh, whatever Tim needs help with, I'm, I'm more than happy to help him with it and, you know, try to keep the ball rolling on this whole deal. Yeah. Corey, you mentioned moving. So what does this, um, what does this mean for your, you know, your modified run in 2022, we know, you know, we've seen you travel a little bit to, you know, to Merritt and Tri-City and uh, time to time and, um, you know, and now a new owner of Butler. What what do you, what are your plans for 2022? As of right now, I think we'll probably do the, uh, the same thing, you know, maybe we'll hit some, some gas city stuff on Friday nights down here, you know, and then uh, I'll travel back towards Michigan Saturday mornings and race at Butler, but we'll plan on being at Butler every Saturday. And, uh, you know, to say we're going to run for a points deal, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> I think we probably will. We'll just, uh, you know, play by ear, see how the year goes and, uh, you know, what, uh, what all pops up between now and then. Um, I think we'll do the same thing. You know, it's, uh, I put a lot of stress on my brother, you know, with me, with me moving and him, him and, uh, Bubba, you know, are the only ones in the race shop now working, you know, and they do it. Every day when they get out of work, they meet in the shop around three thirty, four o'clock, and they work till six, seven o'clock at night. You know, they're we're all getting older. You know, they a couple hours here and there, and they're done for the night. You know, but uh, I tore the car up pretty bad at East Bay, so they've got a lot of work ahead of them, and I plan on being up there, you know, as much as possible on the weekends. And you know, I usually leave here at six o'clock on a Saturday morning and drive up there and work, you know, for eight, nine hours on Saturdays and we we'll try to get things done and we'll be ready, you know, early April and see if we can't hit a couple of races before Butler starts and make sure everything's still good with the car. And, you know, the, uh, the whole transition with me being moving to Indiana made it tough on him. You know, we talked about family and the Bivard name and, and how synonymous it is with racing. And one last little family thing I want your thoughts on, and then we'll uh, get you out of here. I want you to talk about your nephew, Mason, uh, this kid raced with you, raced under you, you know, f- from from street stocks to modifieds, racing side-by-side side with you, to now, you know, completing that program with the University of Northwest Ohio and now turning wrenches for one of the most recognizable dirt late model teams in the nation. Uh, you know, he's underneath the hood of that 71 machine for Hudson O'Neill. Talk about about Mason. Talk about what you have seen him do. And, and, you know, I know that you, you are very proud of, of that kid and what you've been able to see him do for his racing career. Yeah. He's a kid learned a lot, you know, uh, there's, there's so much to say about him. You know, he's a, for me to say that I'm happy that he's gone from racing against me, I'm happy because (laughs) the kid was fast. (laughs) And he was, uh, you know, he got to come home, uh, 
early last summer, midsummer, you know, and he drove for Brian Renshaw at I-96 in the street stock and ran really well. And then the following night we got, we had his car ready for him to run at, uh, at Butler. And, uh, I said, uh, before we went out, we started on the front row together. Imagine that, mm-hmm. you know, and he got me on the start. But before <laughs> we went out, I said, uh, Mason, I'll see you in victory lane. And he says, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming down to get my picture taken with you. And, uh, Allie told him, you better come down and get your picture taken. Well, I followed, I raced, you know, Tim and Tim Wilbur ended up winning. Mason was second. I was third, you know, and, uh, if Mason wouldn't have screwed up, Mason would have won that night, you know, but the, uh, the knowledge that that, that the kid has now, you know, like we were on the phone with him and Hudson Allie was, uh, several times throughout the week at East Bay and, you know, uh, figuring out how to make the car faster, you know, and, um, just a simple phone call, you know, to Mason or in Hudson, you know, made us faster every time we hit the track, you know, uh, that team's going to go places and Mason's going to go with them. And it's, uh, it's fun to follow. You know, I spend most of my time on my phone or watching, you know, like they're, they're on Mav TV right now, you know, uh, yeah. getting ready to race tonight. You know, it's, um, it's been a, it's been great, you know, because, you know, if we don't want to race or if Ali don't want to go, I'll, I'll go racing by myself and, you know, take the crew guys with me and Ali will, up in his motor home and travel you know eight nine hours to find mason and just to be able to see him and watch watch him work and and hang out with him for the weekend it's fantastic man it's been a lot of fun to watch too and uh i think the last question i have for you is how long you can keep doing this man uh is it just going to be until you don't feel like it anymore if it's not fun that old adage when it's not fun anymore we're going to hang it up or do you have a an age or or number of years or what's what are you shooting for well, I told the guys the other night, you know, uh, we, we were at East Bay and I, somebody else had asked the question, how long do you think you're going to race? You know, I think I'm going to do it till I, I'd like to try to make it till I'm 50. You know, I've got, uh, I'll be 47 in May. If I make it to 50, I've, uh, that'd be a good racing career. You know, I, uh, you know, my health's doing good. I'm going to keep on going until, uh, until my health tells me otherwise or until I'm at least 50, you know. Good round number. We may number. slow down some, you know. May not do it every weekend, but, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna race as much as possible until I, either one of those happen. All right, man. Well, I'm looking forward to that then for sure. What do you got, Rich? I know you got some thoughts under there. Yeah, yeah Corey, I made it till I was 51 and not a day longer, okay? So, um, <laughs> but, and, and it just, it just started getting harder for me. And maybe you see this too. Um, Man, it's just a different era. It's all these young kids, you know? I mean, it never used to be that way. Um, but nowadays, it's, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids getting in these cars. And and for some reason, they're pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, they are. You know, I, uh, you know, like Drake Trout- Troutman was there. He's 16 years old or something like that. And it's like, I just got my ass kicked by a 16-year-old kid, you know? <laughs> but I'm good with it, you know? it's uh, As long as I'm having fun and the guys are having fun, and, you know, we can still, you know, with the, the price of everything going up, you know, as long as we can keep going and and uh, afford to do it, we'll, we'll be at the racetrack. You know, um, the traveling part, you know, may slow down a little bit, you know, but um, we'll be at Butler every weekend and see if we can hang with them still. Corey, your car reads uh, like five or six billboards on I-94, but I'd like to open the door and give you an opportunity. Since you are uh, one of the few guys in our area that's already put a couple of races under his belt, uh, who's on the side of that eight-cent machine making it happen for you? Um, well, i got to thank, uh, obviously, my brother and my sister-in-law, Abby, and my wife. 
um, uh, trappers out of uh, Monroe, Michigan, um, Becker and Scrivens Country, uh, Coldwell Bankers, um, Lakeside Auto. There's so many of them that made make this deal possible. Um, I just can't thank them all enough, you know. We got a great picture on the Horsepower Happenings Facebook page if you want to see all of Corey's sponsors. I think you can see just about all of them on this picture. It's a fantastic shot. Yeah. Um, Sherman Enterprises, obviously, my, the the new job I just took down here in Indiana, they've helped me out a ton with, you know, parts and stuff like that. Uh, without those guys, the, the trip probably wouldn't have been possible with a lot of the help they give me as far as selling us parts, you know, and stuff like that. Well, man, Corey, uh, you know, I, I've, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I remember growing up watching you race, and now it's uh, been so much fun to watch you race as a, as an analyst, if you will, or a media person, and, and watch you still kick some tail out there. So, man, congratulations on a fantastic run down at East Bay, and good luck this season. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. Time to wrap things up here on Horsepower Happenings. As always, a monster thank you to Frank Giovanni and Corey Bevard for joining us tonight. Uh, you know, I don't think we say this enough. It's guys like that that make our show. Uh, if we don't have those guests willing to come on and talk to us, we don't have a show. And, uh, of course, uh, man, how about how about Corey Bevard? I mean, I, I love Frank Giovanni. I'm hoping that we get to see him behind the wheel again soon. 31 years behind a race car wheel, and he says, meh, I don't know, maybe once I'm 50. Maybe. We'll see what happens when I get there. <laughs> he's a better man than I because, uh, but, you know, I mean, he's been so good at what he does, Zach, for so long. Um, he's right. He has nothing left to prove, really. This is just fun now. You know, he can enjoy and race when he wants to. Um, and if that's what makes him happy, that's great. I think if we were to have that conversation and he wasn't performing well, we might get a different answer. But when you can go down to East Bay and make the show a couple of times against the level of competition that was down there, as we mentioned, you got it, man. Keep on keep on running them. <laughs> hey, what's coming up on the upcoming calendar, man? Speaking of big races down south, uh, you mentioned it at the top of the show. Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series is very busy down there right now. Yep, and we're obviously with the week we're going to have, we're not any closer to getting any racing done around here, so we might as well live Sioux vicariously through Florida, right? Yeah, I mean, we got the Sioux 500. Other than that, we aren't doing much. <laughs> yeah, that that that. That's a little too cold for my life. I, you know, Matt Preer's up there doing a great job with all that, but uh, no thank you. Um, <laughs> if it's below 40 degrees, I don't need to be at a racetrack. Yes, sir. So so anyway, yep, Zach, as, as uh, we discussed earlier, the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series tonight and tomorrow uh, at Bubba Raceway Park uh, in Ocala, Florida, $10,000 to win each night. Then they move on to Alltech Raceway in Lake City, Florida, Thursday through Saturday of this week before seven straight nights at East Bay Raceway Park in Tampa for the 46th annual Risco Winter Nationals presented by Lucas Oil. That'll be February 6th through the 12th. So if you are a dirt late model fan, Zach, the next couple weeks is your time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other event that's coming up relatively soon that's got a lot of people's attention, Rich, I want to have a small little mini discussion with you about this. Saturday and Sunday, February 5th and 6th, from the Coliseum in Los Angeles, it's it's the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum. I did not know this. 36 drivers currently entered. That's not how I remember the Clash or the Budweiser shootout. It was usually like 12, <laughs> 15, maybe. Um, at any rate, a lot of uh, hate and uh, criticism on the social media about NASCAR putting a racetrack inside the Coliseum 
Before I divulge my thoughts, Rich Francine, I want to know what you think about this. No, you don't. No, you don't, oh, Zach. Boy. You don't want to know my thoughts. Oh, boy. Um, I Okay, this is NASCAR, right? Refresh my memory. This is NASCAR. National and, Association of Stock Car Auto Racing, yes. Yes. Okay, thank you. That's what I thought it was. I just wanted to make sure. Um, and we are going to put race cars race around a former football field, correct? That's right. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't go with that. You know, if I guess Bowman Gray is is kind of iconic, and everybody wants to go there and watch the Modifieds run down at Bowman Gray. But I don't think NASCAR would put on a great show at Bowman Gray, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm, am I going to watch this? Absolutely, because I have to. Right. Because we're going to talk about it next Monday. Um, but I don't know. I've, I don't know how many they – I didn't see the specifics. I know they have last chance races, so I don't know – I'm assuming they're going to start 24, maybe at the most, maybe 20. I don't know how many they're going to take from the last chance races. They're going to have qualifying heats um, along with qualifying. So I don't know how this is going to go, Zach. I don't know if they know how this is going to go because they've never done this before either. Let me ask you quickly, uh, what about it turns you the wrong way? Is it the fact that it is a quarter mile racetrack or is it the fact that they built a quarter mile racetrack inside of a coliseum? I've never seen them do this before. And, you know, I'm out. All right, I'll come out and say it. I'm, I'm terrible with the new looks that they have to come out with. And the number has to be up behind their front tire. And the sponsor's all on the door. I I, I think NASCAR messes with it too much, don't you think, Zach? Just, um, it's like they have to make changes just to make changes. And I don't know that there's a logical reason for it. I mean, yeah, is the sponsor any bigger on the car because you got the number all the way at the front of the door? Well, did could you ever confuse a car before, whether it was Shell or or any or or Penske or what? I mean, or whatever it was, uh, you know, Dupont over the years, Chevrolet, whatever. Did you could you mess up those sponsors? Could you read them from a mile away? You know? Yeah, I I I the event itself, aside from the changes to the car, which. I'm intrigued to see how it unfolds. I think that they look a lot like a V8 supercar from Australia, um, and that kind of concerns me a little bit. But the event itself, I actually feel a little excitement for. Uh, I love the fact, you know, we've been calling for years, when by we I mean auto, auto racing fans in general, go back to the short tracks, go to the short tracks. We want to see bumping, we want to see banging, we want to see fisticuffs after the races. They're the only qualm i have with this is that they built they spent a million dollars i think a report came out today and said they spent uh north of a million dollars to put a racetrack inside of a coliseum when there were quarter mile racetracks across the country that would love to have just put up a catch fence and a safer barrier to allow the nascar teams to come race there that's the qualm i have with it i love the fact they're going quarter mile racing i love the fact they're going to run some lcqs and send some guys packing I don't mind that it's in a coliseum even because it's garnering some attention. I just hope, as you said, that NASCAR knows what they're doing and they don't make a farce out of it and that it's a good race. I just want it to be a good show. Can you imagine NASCAR Cup Series running at Anderson? Whew. <laughs> you were there. You tell me. This is what it's going to be like. Well, okay? the difference is Anderson's that Anderson, a more, Anderson's a little more bank. Anderson's got some banking, which I think would improve the show. Is it wide enough for Cup Cars? That's the part I don't know. The Coliseum track is definitely wide enough. The groove is going to be right inside the paper clip. People are going to get dumped. People are going to have hurt feelings. It's going to be a wreck fest, probably. 
Uh, it's going to be great for TV. Purists like you and Chuck Darling are probably not going to like it. So we'll see what happens. I hope it's a good show. I just hope it's a good show. You know, in layman's terms, from from a guy from from the distance, let me just put out to all the NASCAR teams. Bring your disposable race cars. Bring them because you're not bringing them. But they're all most of them are not going to roll back on the trailer the way they went on the racetrack. Stop at the metal recycling joint on your way out of Cali uh, as you head back to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Again, want to thank Frank Giovanni and Corey Bevarn for being on the program. Uh, really want to say thank you to Rich France for all he's done this week for the show. Appreciate you, sir. So I want to say thanks to Scott Menlin who pays the bills. And for all those people, I'm Zach Heiser wishing you a great week. Stay safe. Stay warm. Don't make any boneheaded decisions in 13 inches of snow. And we'll talk to you same time, same place next week. All new season of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.